0: Hello and welcome back. This is Exhibit AI, a podcast exploring contemporary legal issues for tomorrow's technology, presented by the Center for Legal and Court Technology at William & Mary Law School. I'm April Sawhill, CLCT AI Senior Researcher. On this episode, we are pleased to have two exceptional scholars and women in technology discussing experiential learning and unique opportunities for graduate students who have an interest in cyber technology and security. Our host today is CLCT Deputy Director and Professor of the Practice of Law at William and Mary Law School, Dr. Iria Jafrida. We hope you enjoy this episode of Exhibit AI, and thank you for tuning in.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Exhibit AI. I'm very excited to be back. I've been absent for a little while, but I've heard all the previous podcasts, and I'm very excited to be here today to discuss the interesting topics, and in particular, Interdisciplinarity and Cybersecurity with a dear colleague and friend, I hope I can say, from William & Mary, Dr. Stephanie Blackman, who is the Class of 1963 Associate Professor of Higher Education at the School of Education of William & Mary. Good afternoon, Stephanie.
2: Hi, Yuri. Yes, accurate representation, colleague and friend. So thank you very much, and I'm, I'm excited to be here.
1: Thank you very much. So, Stephanie, I want to give a little bit of a background as to how we started working together and the way in which cybersecurity sort of provided an opportunity for collaboration. For our listeners, William & Mary is one of the um, public institutions in Virginia who participates in the Commonwealth Cyber Initiative, which we'll call easily CCI, sort of the acronym that it goes by. And I wanted to give a little bit of a background about CCI and how this offered an opportunity for interdisciplinary work, which is what brought us professionally to collaborate. CCI is a state-funded opportunity, uh, which the General Assembly has launched uh, almost two years ago to the day. And it involves a number, in fact, every higher education institution um, in Virginia, public ones, I should emphasize. In trying to create, um, I think that the objective is to create the ideal next generation of cyber expert and how do we get there, we get through there through different means. Generally, um, CCI is really a global center of excellence that focuses on the intersection of security, autonomous systems and data, and this says a lot, it's a, it's a very broad mandate. What CCI does in practice is dividing Virginia in four main regions. William & Mary sits in the coastal region, which we colloquially call COVA. And the work has been divided in a number of different streams, which are represented in committees that work under the edges of the leadership committee, in which every higher education institution in Virginia sends a representative. Our node is led by Old Dominion University and, as I said, a number of public institutions do do participate. The committees that um, Stephanie and I are particularly actively involved are the Curriculum Committee and the Experiential Committee. But there's any number of other committees and I don't know, Stephanie, if you remember some of the names of the other committees that are active in our region.
2: So there's a research committee, and there's also an external partnerships committee. And so you and I both are both members of the academic curriculum committee, and then I'm one of the co-chairs for the experiential learning committee. And then to describe a little bit about the other committees, the research committee deals with just what the title says, right? Research. And some of the funding opportunities for COVA researchers come out of that committee. And then the External Partnerships Committee, they work with the businesses, right? So this is a partnership between the academy and industry. So we have a committee within COVA that connects to those external partners, some of whom are also on these various committees that we've already talked about.
1: And I think, Stephanie, you, are, you and I have already mentioned one of the key words, the buzzwords, that I think get us both uh, very excited, which is the word interdisciplinary on one hand and experiential on the other. And it's a- about the second word that I really want to ask you some questions. Uh, you are the program facilitator for Cyber Excel. Uh, which is an incredible uh, initiative. And I'd like to hear a little bit more about it, if you don't mind.
2: Absolutely. Happy to talk about that. I'm especially ex- excited about CyberXL. We are recruiting right now. So CyberXL started out as the graduate experiential learning program within COVA. So it has been running now. This is its second year. And so we wanted to try A few different things related to outreach, making sure that businesses and students were aware of these opportunities. So went back to the drawing board, we did some rebranding. And so now we have it as CyberExcel, the graduate experiential learning program for COVA CCI. And CyberExcel, in addition to, to having that graduate experiential learning component also gets at that external partnership component too, right? Because the placements that graduate students have are across COVA CCI. So that could be with companies that are in the COVA region, that could be with professors who are faculty members within the COVA region, that could be administrators who are within the COVA region, researchers who were just granted funding. they They have placements, right, for students too. And so it really is about connecting the students with both the experiences that they're going to have there in addition to the mentorship. So in the materials that you see for Cyber Excel, you'll see the practice components, but you'll also see a mentioning of that mentorship component because we want the students to go in and feel like they're a part of whatever program or project or company that they're working with and having someone there who can be really supportive of them in their journeys to learn more about putting what they're learning in their courses to practice. I also want to highlight that um, back to that idea of interdisciplinary, right? So We're looking for students who have an interest in cybersecurity, but they don't have to be students in a cybersecurity program. So right now we have positions available for students who have an interest in technology and cybersecurity, but they're from marketing. We have opportunities available for students who have that interest in data and tech, but they want to be ethicists, right? So In addition to people who need to know how to code, we also have opportunities available for people to support curriculum development. So helping with that next generation of students who are going to move through cybersecurity programs. So we have a variety of positions available for a variety of experience levels, but also a variety of disciplines. And that's the part that I think um, really sets Cyber Excel apart.
1: There's two components to what you what you told us that I am quite keen to unpack with you. The first is trying to really understand experiential learning, because it, many people may think or assume that learning at higher education level requires you to be sitting in a room, taking notes, going home and taking a test. And I'm sure that this is not what experiential learning is. So can you give us an understanding of what the concept of experiential learning
2: really is? So the very short answer that you'll also find in some experiential learning literature, at least to start before going into some of the more in-depth frameworks and theories, et cetera, is that it's a learning through experience that people take. The experiences that they're having and they learn and they grow from having these experiences. Now, what that means for Cyber Excel specifically is something in the literature referred to as situated cognition, right? So that not only relates to a student learning something or anyone learning something, but it also relates to the context where that learning occurs where it is matters, who it is with matters, right? So these constructivist ideas about how we come to learn and grow. And Cyber Excel does lean very heavily on that situated cognition framework. So we're thinking about where students are going to be placed and what their interactions are going to be like when they are placed there. We're thinking about how this exchange occurs that allows students to learn and grow. And that's how we're thinking about experiential learning for this particular part of it. You'll also see something in the literature that's related to situated cognition and that that is cognitive apprenticeship, right? So you're in the space And you're learning, but you're learning how to think about the work that you're doing. And so there's several opportunities through some of the placements that we have available for those cognitive apprenticeships, but all of the components will have that situated cognition that it really is important that students are learning in context, right? And that they're doing that in partnership with the people who are in these very exciting placement opportunities that we have available.
1: Thank you, Stephanie, because this it sort of adds a dimension of meta thinking about learning, right? It's not simply read a book, regurgitate information on a piece of paper, Is teaching people how to think, which leads me to the second um, point that I wanted to explore with you, and it's the interdisciplinary word that gets us so so excited sometimes when I teach um, either the legal issues arising from technologies like AI or cybersecurity, I tell my students that problems don't come with a label hello I'm a legal problem hello I'm a technical problem right if only if only right, <laughs> right? and so the advantage of opportunities like those offered through cyber excel is to also teach our students what happens in what i call the real world Mm -hmm. so i'm quite interested in in hearing from you and i don't know if you have some examples or perhaps interdisciplinary teams that may or opportunities of working within interdisciplinary teams that may come out of some of the great opportunities that you have on the books uh, on your cyber excel program
2: absolutely so a couple of the positions that i mentioned earlier the marketing position the position for a data ethicist. there's also a position for a law student who has an interest in issues of privacy and security those positions are a part of a larger project Um, where there are about four placement opportunities. So one for also for students who are nuts and bolts cybersecurity, right? But alongside these three other positions that are not specifically within cybersecurity. So we're asking that the students have this interest in tech in cyber, but for those three positions in particular, we need them to have expertise in their areas, right? We need them to be growing marketers. We need them to be growing data ethicists. We need them to be growing attorneys. So that particular one is about really helping students to understand what it is like to work in a team. Cybersecurity problems are incredibly complex and growing more complex (laughs) by the day. So we have to start thinking about how we build teams that can tackle these more complex problems. And one of the ways to do that is through having interdisciplinary teams, teaching people how to work together, how to respect the expertise that someone else brings to the table, how to problem solve together, how to appreciate these various contributions we each make to solving problems. That's the part that we really want to get over because sometimes you can put people together from, from different areas, but if you've prioritized one area over the other, if, you said, if you've said, you know, well, yeah, that person's here, but we really don't need their feedback until we decide we need their feedback, then they're completely left out. Of something where their contribution could have been really valuable, where it could have lended a completely different perspective. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't get to work on your own area of expertise. In fact, we absolutely need you working very hard in your own area of expertise, because that is then going to elevate the work that happens at the team level, elevate the work that happens at that interdisciplinary level and we really want to accomplish that in particular with one of the projects. So we have again a variety of things we have a few positions that re cyber risk, right? Couple of positions related to that. And so those are ones that we are seeing as positions for people who are strictly on that cybersecurity path. We have however these other positions where we need the people to be on the marketing path, the law path, the data emphasis path, still with that focus on cyber, still with that interest at least in cyber. And that's how I think we're going to solve some of these more complex problems. Not by saying, stay over there, I'll tell you when you're important, but seeing the value and importance at the beginning, on the front end, and then making really thoughtful decisions about when work needs to happen separately, and when work needs to happen together. And I suspect there are more times where we should be working together than we currently are.
1: Stephanie, I hope that I can get my law students to listen to what you just said, because this is actually an obstacle that, puts cyber aside, is what lawyers encounter every day. Lawyers are sort of the firefighters of legal issues. There's a fire, you deploy the lawyer. But actually, firefighting includes a component of risk management or trying to minimize that risk from materializing and should it materialize, minimize the damage that it may occur. So this opportunity of learning how to relate to people that come from other disciplines and who observe the world in a different way from yours is enriching whatever the career path. As you say, cybersecurity poses immensely challenging, complex problems for businesses, for governments, for agencies, for higher education, for us individually as consumers. And having the opportunities of developing full-rounded professionals that can engage in meaningful professional discussion about these problems with somebody that comes from another discipline is immensely enriching. Stephanie, I wanted to ask you um, a couple of other questions, if I don't mind, because if I were a law student listening to this podcast, if I were a graduate student, doesn't have to be a law student, and we're interested, a part of me would say this sounds great, but how much time commitment do I have to um, sort of commit, apologies for the poor expression, uh, for this kind of opportunity.
2: So specifically for CyberXL, we are looking for students with at least a 3.2 GPA who are from Christopher Newport University, William & Mary, Norfolk State University, and Old Dominion University. And students will work 20 hours per week in their placements, and they will be paid $5,000. So the only other commitment, other than the work that they will be doing January 10th through May 6th, 20 hours a week, will be the one-hour orientation meeting that's going to happen on January 5th at 3 p.m. So those are, and of course, um, in, in between that time, they'll have work that they're doing with their placement, right? So there will be a conversation with placement supervisors about what those schedules are like, but the program itself runs January 10th through May 6th, $5,000 stipend and 20 hours a week and applications are due October 1st.
1: That's very helpful, Stephanie. And if I can relate, so lawyers think this is hearsay, and it is, having spoken to students who had this opportunity, experiential opportunity last year, but prior to CyberExcel, being created confirmed how enjoyable it was for them to be treated as colleagues, so although yes they're still graduate students and they're still working towards their degrees. Once they are embedded in these opportunities they sort of lose that student label and they become junior colleagues and they make contacts they develop a network that will carry them through certainly the the early stages of their of their
0: careers.
1: So I hope that anybody who listens uh, to us and who is a student in uh, one of the four institutions that you mentioned, I should say a graduate student, apologies Mm -hmm. for that, um, would look up Cyber Excel. We're going to include a document uh, to this podcast that links us to the website of CyberExcel, which contains a wealth of information about the program, application process, key deadlines, and contact details for uh, Professor Stephanie Blackman, who um, is willing and, and, and in the best position to answer more technical questions.
2: Absolutely, and happy to answer those questions. And what I will say, to go back to your point about the students having a wonderful experience previously, that's a testament to the excellent placements that we have, that we have these partners in, within higher education, within business, the research community, the nonprofit community, all of these other areas that are excited about providing excellent opportunities for students. So they want great students to come in so that they can offer these really wonderful experiences to them. So and and we had a a really nice group of students last time, too. But again, wanting to to really give, give credit to the placement supervisors for taking the mission of the work to heart and really saying, yes, we want to be a great destination for really excellent students to work. And one of the students who worked for a company last time was actually hired by that company full-time. You know, a student was hired out of a placement last time. So it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for students to put what they're learning in their courses to practice. Absolutely. To build up that professional network. And one of the reasons I have that orientation meeting scheduled is so we start to build that kind of community, right? So that we can bring all of these students together at least at one time so that we can learn more about the great students who will be going into these great placements. And that sort of, we're not quite at functioning as a community of practice, right, which is another part of that experiential learning literature, but we are at a place of wanting to establish that network and community, right, that professional network of people you can work with, especially as we think about interdisciplinarity, because all of the different students will be there, who will go out to these placements. So it's going to be a really great opportunity, that orientation, and that's why it's there. So that students can start to build that community so that within the program, we're helping them foster that community, foster those networks that are going to catapult their careers and really help them to have the kind of success they're looking for.
1: Excellent. So for any student who may feel a little bit of sense of anxiety, of thinking, oh, I'm going to be parachuted into a business where I don't know anybody, I will just be given a complex task, uh, there will be difficult and and challenging opportunities, but it's, it's a soft landing, right? They're not yes. parachuted. <laughs> There's a group behind it. You, they'll certainly have your support. And as you Absolutely. said, a lot of the mentors are invested in this becoming a success.
2: Definitely. Yes, they are. And another component of that orientation meeting, too, is helping, to student, you know, helping the students to work through some of those concerns and questions. And, um, and as you pointed out, I, as program facilitator, you know, I'm invested in making sure the students have a great experience. And so if issues come up or if concerns come up, then just like I'm, I'm answering the emails now, I'm, I'll answer the emails then, right? And, and have the meetings and have those conversations because it is important to us that students get to put their learning into practice and grow that learning. And so having these experiential learning components as a part of COVID CCI, as a part of CCI broadly, right? That's vital, vital for, for moving moving the field forward and for helping students to establish themselves in these very important careers. So whether they're going to, again, be working in what I like to refer to as nuts and bolts cybersecurity, um, or if they're going to be working with cybersecurity through areas like law, through areas like marketing, we want them to have the experiences they need to learn from those experiences and grow from those experiences so that they can be better prepared in the workforce.
1: Stephanie, I am very excited. I'm just sad that I cannot enroll myself into a program <laughs> uh, I want to thank you, uh, not just for your time today, and I know you're very busy uh, and, and finding the time to talk to us uh, requires some schedule changes, but also for all the work that I see from behind the scenes and the passion in making sure that CyberExcel is successful, is accessible, has a good representation of the many talents that these institutions um, have in their student body. So on behalf of CLCD and my personal behalf, thank you very much for your work. And maybe I can invite you at the end of the process around June or July, To come and tell us sort of a debrief about the experience this year. I think
2: that would be fantastic. Absolutely. Happy to do it. And thanks for having me. A
0: huge thank you to everyone listening. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Exhibit AI, to hear more about the intersection of law and emerging technologies. For more from CLCT, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and our website, all linked in the description of this episode. Last but not least, this podcast is made possible by grant funding provided by the Silicon Valley Community Foundation, funded by Cisco Systems, Inc. We appreciate their continued support for our independent research efforts. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, this is Exhibit AI signing off.